My hand fatiguing off the opus, kept it underground to focus. I feel afterlife, six under oath, don't want no hocus pocus. Niggas trying to go pop, I draw contact with my face mask, nothing but nothing but that. Is you Roger or Novak? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Downer Break. This is episode number 10. We've hit the double digits. Pretty proud of us. Please clap. I'm here with the Hebrew hammer, Dean Zeldich. What is good, people? I um, am, in fact, the Hebrew hammer. He is. He is. He's been he's been done called that since the third grade. So, so U.S. Open is done. We've got a lot to recap here. I thought it was an awesome tournament. I I think it was my favorite slam of the year. I would agree with that. I would I would agree with that. I mean. It's hard to argue against the French with Rafa beating Novak, but I True. think this was the most fun. I think overall, just there were so many exciting matches on both the men and the women. Um, we had a new Grand Slam winner. Like, it checked a lot of boxes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun going to it. Right. Um, also very, like, you know, there wasn't an obvious winner. Maybe Iga, kind of, but not even. She still had a couple of three-setters. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say it was pretty wide open on both men and women's sides. Should we start with her and having and her diarrhea episode in her semifinal match against Sabalenka? Uh, it did not, you know, prevent her from getting the W. I mean, it was, it was hilarious how she was very open in the interview about that. She's awkward. She's she's an awkward person, I would say. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. I mean, she just outwardly said to, I think, who was it? Pam Shriver in the post-match interview. This is the semifinal match. She lost the first set, and she says in the interview, like, yeah, yeah you know, I had to run to the bathroom, felt a lot lighter afterwards. I kind of needed to go. Um, but, yeah, well, um, for sure I felt lighter. Um, just, you know, sorry, that's disgusting. Sorry, this is disgusting. It's like, we get it. You went to take a fat dump. Well, I mean, I guess good for her for like owning up to it, but I don't know. Good for her for coming up, for coming back, winning the second and third. I never had like that much love for Sabalenka, so I'm happy Iga won. I think Sabalenka was in tears after the match, right? Yeah, I think I saw like this is like the best I've seen her play. I mean, she's serving really, really big. I think she's made a lot of progress mentally, physically. Yeah. Um, but she's uh, lost, I think, four times in a row to Iga, like in the second half of 2022, all very convincing matches. So she's just getting beat by the best. Yeah. I mean, it's so impressive that Iga is able to, you know, win so consistently with her serve not being that good yeah i mean with against pagula they were literally just neither was able to hold serve pretty much it's like her serve is by far her worst shot she's getting very few free points she's just returning so well and then it's just like i guess out rallying her is just virtually impossible right like where is she at mph wise 110 if that, if yeah. that, I mean, Coco, no, I remember, yeah, I remember seeing Coco, less. Coco was getting to like 128, which is, you know, a, a, of course, very big, but you would think number one woman is 
getting getting free points, but no, she's probably around one hundred to one ten. Yeah. Just for um, for reference, Dean, for the listeners, wh- what are you at? Uh, I'd say somewhere if I'm serving well, maybe somewhere between one hundred and one ten. Yeah. Real talk. Uh, second serve. I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. Second serve. Another story, but I'll get to that later. So we had Iga. We had, uh, you mentioned Pagula had a good run. Shout out to the Buffalo Bills. Number one team in the NFL. It's true. Um, but I mean, if you, if you run down the quarterfinal lineup, like these are all solidified top women's players. Um, we had Iga, Pagula, Pliskova, Sabalenka, Coco Goff, Caroline Garcia, Anz Jabour, who made the final, and then Ayla Tamjanovic. So, like, these are names that, you know, the tennis community or your your decently solid tennis fan recognizes, whereas I think in past majors, we've had kind of a lot of um, not big no upsets. Na- not big no names, upsets. but, yeah, big upsets and people that, aren't household names making the quarters in the semis. Yeah, I think I think this makes it more exciting. I think, you know, having someone who you root for, who you like have seen for years and who you are you now seeing, you know, making uh kind of like a breakthrough is is good. Like seeing someone like Pagula who's like been at that level but like is actually, you know, scratching the the top now. Um I think it's exciting. Going She's back number number eight seed, number eight seed Pagula. Right, right. I mean, her match mm. against Iga was tough to watch as a fan. Uh, she was just like so nervous, like you could tell. Like she, her movement was slow. She was not hitting her shots at all. Like it was so much slower than her previous matches. She had it seemed like she had like no game plan against Iga, uh, and Iga was not playing well. Like I feel like Iga, I, I think level wise, that was her worst ma- worst match. Mm. And I feel like Pagula just could not capitalize at all. Um, that being said, you know, next time she she makes it to that, you know, to to a quarters and a majors, hopefully she'll have that experience behind her and they'll help her kind of play a little bit freer. But, yeah, it was kind of tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say like, she's young, but she's actually not that young. She's 28. Right. I mean, uh, she... It's not, she's not like, yeah, she's not like, but she's kind of just getting, you know, getting to the, to the higher level. Yeah. It's taking her a little time to break through. Um, also shout out to McNally and Townsend for making the doubles finals. The American Townsend was out for so long and like to see her like making the finals of a slam. That's huge. Very solid doubles player. She was on mommy duty or what? She just had a kid. Yeah. She just had a kid. Yeah. So okay, Ego won. I mean, she she won two slams out of the four. Yeah, she's got three slams behind her now. Like, she's, I mean, she's how many uh, she's gonna win total? Like many, many, many. I don't know. She career? Could. I mean, she's kind of like Rafa in the sense that she's gonna be the favorite in Paris almost every year. Like she's so nasty right. on the clay. So I don't know. She's what twenty two, twenty three. Give her another five French Opens. I still think he's going to hit double digits. Back, though I still oh, think Ash Barty's coming back for, again. Ash Barty coming back again. I mean, what is she going to do? What's what she going to do with her time? Like she's going to what play cricket again? I think is it, she's yeah, she's, she's going to play cricket. Uh, what is she, I, I feel like she's got to be bored. Like when did she retire again? Like at the beginning of the year. 
I think right after Australia. Yeah, I think you're right. She needs a year off. She needs some time for herself. Yeah, she'll come back. She'll come back. They always do. <laughs> they always do. Um, okay, let's get let's get on to the men here. Um Carlito with his first Grand Slam, combining it with number one in the world here. Big ups to the 19-year-old, setting all sorts of records. Well-deserved. Um, well-deserved. Very well-deserved. I'd like to start off with the Alcaraz versus Sinner match because this, to me, was such an important match in the grand scheme of tennis right now. Like if you take this match and you know, like that that's tennis right now in 2022. It's a couple of young guys who are who have burst onto the scene. They absolutely rip the shit out of the ball every single stroke. They have the hands at net. Like they're not one dimensional players. Um well Sinner is a little bit one dimensional. Fine. I'll give you Sinner's a little bit more one dimensional, but he he's still he's still right there. And I think it just shows where tennis is going. Um, it shows the level of tennis, I think, increasing for the first, not not for the first time, but like you look at this match and you're like, holy shit, these guys are really good. And I haven't really had that since like, I don't know, the Novak Fed Nadal days. I think that like this touches on like a point that I think I brought up in previous episodes where it we lived in an era where you have four, sometimes six guys, if you include Stan and Delpo, and then obviously Murray and then the big three, yeah. who at any given point in time can play like godly tennis. And I think what we saw in that match was that. It was yes. that level of tennis. It didn't fall from like, uh, you know, Delpo-Novak match in the semis. Like, I don't think it was worse quality of tennis. No. I, th- I think... You know, obviously Alcaraz is very, very exciting to watch. I mean, the shot making, the it's the, the wow touch. factor. It's the wow factor, and, right. and not only from us tennis fans, but from people who don't normally watch tennis or pay attention, they turn that on, and they're like, "Yo, what?" A lot of like highlight reels shots. A yeah. lot of them. Yeah. Sinner, Sinner is not that. Sinner is very, very disciplined. You, like center he's gonna like stay with you like stay physical in the long rally he's gonna make you hit a lot of shots to win the point he's gonna serve well he's gonna give you very few errors and you know he he's the, he's a guy that makes you like he's really makes you beat him mm-hmm. um and i think like that match was 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 that um i actually woke up at like 3 a.m and you know center was serving for it and i was like oh my god like yeah um, and then, you know, and then he didn't, but, um, there were some hilarious tweets from like Coco Goff tweeted during the match. Him. Yeah. She was like, uh, I think it was maybe like 2am or something like that. And she tweeted, I have a 6am flight, but, and I should be asleep, but this match is still good. Yeah. And then I mean... Stan Vavrinka tweeted something like, can you believe this match? At also like three in the morning. Hold on. Yeah. I didn't know you were on Twitter. I was seeing I was seeing the tweets that they were coming out. As in you don't have a Twitter? Well, we both have the same Twitter account. Oh, you're talking from our Twitter account. Okay. I thought you said you I thought you had your own Twitter. I was like, you send me a follow. 
I would. I would send you a follow. I, I tweeted yesterday about pizza. I didn't see that. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anyway, Alcaraz, he's the man right now. He's awesome. He's got a ton more winning to do. We have to uh, talk about Francis here. Francis Tiafo, who lit up the American tennis scene, had some Absolutely. incredible upsets. He took down Rublev. He took down Rafa. Rufus. He took down Rafa. Was that after our last episode? No, that was yeah, that was after our last episode. Yeah, so we took down Rafa, Rublev, and one more guy. He also took down yeah, Rublev, Nadal, and he took down Schwartzman. Schwartzman, right? But um, I mean, he was just Francis definitely playing his best tennis ever. Yeah, I, it, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, he was feeling the crowd. The he crowd was, himself. was he's the type of guy who feeds off of that electricity of the New York fanatics. Like his like his returns were on fire. I mean, he broke the record. He broke the record for amount of tiebreakers won in a Grand Slam. No that way. Was, that record belonged to Sampras when he won the US Open, where he won seven out of seven tiebreakers. Tiafo won eight out of eight, and he didn't win the tournament. Holy statistician alert. Good shit there. Um, I think that being said, Daniel, did you ever think that Tiafo was actually going to win this match? Against Alcaraz? Yeah, going into the fifth. What do you think? What, what, what were your odds in your head? Look, I was at the club. I was a little, a little off that Henny, you know. But um, I was I was thinking, you know, in between bangers at the on the dance floor, I would come back and watch, and I was like, "It's just gonna take some serious magic." Like, I, and I thought the magic was in the air, but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was confident, definitely not. But I thought there was a chance. I thought there was a very slim chance. Here, Especially here. after he saved match points in the fourth set, it's like I know. there's the magic right there, but. It's. I mean, Car- Carlos is playing insane. Here's my take. Watching that matchup, my thought is that as it goes, like as we, you know, few years into the future, I feel like Carlos will be losing less sets, and those guys will have even less of a chance. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Anyway, let's move on to. Um, you know, I, I want to talk about Nick Kyrgios a little bit because. Okay. Going to the quarters, this guy was Vegas's, you know, pick. Yeah, that's right. Plus one fifty to win. He was the favorite to win in the quarters. Yeah, and then you know, watching him on, you know, play Hachinov, it it was pathetic. It was pathetic watching his behavior. It was he was talking to his box saying, "I don't want to play like this. I haven't made like, uh, you know, he he was missing a lot of backhands, and he was saying like." I missed five of those all season and I can't get a single one in and I don't want to play like this shit. And he was like, you know, just constantly talking to his box like that. And they were trying to cheer him on. And he kept, you know, he called the trainer and he was like holding his leg a lot. And he was saying this calf was hurting. But, you know, we're looking at him. Uh, his calf was not the reason he was missing the back ends. He was still ripping the forehands, still hitting his serves extremely high. Uh, in the, it's, it's, it's all in his head. It's all mm-hmm. in his head. And I think that he can he still acts like a child sometimes, like a teenager on the court. Yeah. 
I mean, he, he, you know, in one sense, he backed it up by beating Medvedev in the, in the round of 16, right? Right. But then, you know, Hachinov should have been an easy win for him. That's a, yeah, of course. And no, no discredit to Kachinov, but like the way Nick has been playing, that's another tier above him. I agree. So, and then what do you course, think about Hachinov? A fluke or is he here to stay? Uh, I think it's a fluke. Same. I also think it's a fluke. It's a fluke. I didn't he have a good run in the U.S. Open several years ago, though. I don't remember. I have to fact check that. But he's just like a guy. Like he just to me, he's a guy who would lose third, fourth round every single major. Most majors, yeah. I don't see him as a threat to the big guys ever. I mean, he also beat Pablo Crenio Busta. That's another good win. It's a very good win. He had a very good tournament. But the question is, like, is can he back it up again? My my take is no. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we ought to talk about Casper too. I mean, second second major final this year. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, I, unfortunately, I just felt like in the final he he just didn't deserve the title as much, which isn't like fair to say. But he was but, playing his best tennis. But he was playing really well, and there was a moment in that third set where it was like this dude might pull it off. Right, and um, he he just didn't he he lost a couple of big points, and then next thing you know, Alcaraz is there with the trophy. But that's the thing about Alcaraz though; he makes you play like your best tennis. Like even Chelich, who like like that five setter should five not have setter been five, should not have been five sets, but like he just made Chelich like rip those balls in. Like he they those shots were going in. I don't know how. Um, but like here's my question: like in four years, for example. And I say four because I know that Novak hasn't said his last word yet. Four so is saying, heavy, though. Even for Novak, four is a, is a lot of years. I don't know. With his diet, he can be for, there for a while. But, like, <laughs> four years from now, three years from now, who Fine. is going to be there, like, really, like, you know, capable of beating Alcaraz? I'm, look, I'm not convinced that Alcaraz is, like, is the margin between him and everyone else is that significant right now? I'm not convinced by that. Who else do you got? Who look, else do you got? The dude lost to Tommy Paul. And look, I love Tommy Paul, but he just lost to Tommy Paul a couple months ago. Like he I don't think he has he's not at, a major. I get it. Fine. But I don't I don't think he is I I, I get what you're trying to say. He's nineteen. He's nineteen. I know, I, I he's clearly immature still. Yeah. We'll get to some of that immaturity later on. Yeah, we will. But I mean, I don't know, like Sinner, Rublev, Rude, Tiafo. I I don't know if those guys like are like gonna maybe Sinner. I think out of those. I red, think I, I think him and Sinner will have a great rivalry. Rublev, the guy can't get past the quarters. He's like he's in he's in a funk. It's like in high school when like you can't get past the OTP HJ. That's <laughs> where he's at right now. What about Nick? Do you think Kyrgios can do it? Yes. Yeah. If he if he figures it out mentally, he can do it. You got some fan mail today? Yeah, we've got a lot of good fan mail this week. Um, Dean, start us off. Uh, all right, let's go. First couple questions coming from Tim Nguyen over in Reading, Mass. Shout out to Tim. Thank you, Tim. Um, first question. What type of hype music is on your playlist before a big match? Daniel? Most recently, 
if it's a big match, like I was playing in the Longwood Club Championship match. I'm trying to remember what I was listening to. What round did you lose at? Uh, we lost in the semis. Um, Shout out my, to Alex Cly. My friend eight. Alex, Alex Cly. We had a great run. Lost to uh, a couple schlubs, but uh, we'll take what's, it. What's good, Chris, though? <laughs> um, so what was I listening to? I think I was listening to the OG version of Sella by Kanye. Like it was a, like a, before he made Jesus is King clean, he had a dirty version of that song and it's just so intense and it fired me up. And I've already got a lot of comments from like Longwood people playing on those first row while I had blasting the music and my windows are down. They're like, was that you playing that music? I'm like, who are you sorry what the blue jetta no that was not me (laughs) but i would say in general there's a lot of kanye um there's a lot of kanye um i'm into this uh israeli band they sing in english but they're called full trunk it's fire it's absolute fire check them out um i'm a big fan really fires me up it's on my pre-match playlist it's on my ski playlist is it a heavy rock is it an alt no it's 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 nothing you've ever heard of it's like i would say genre genre bending music focus on the headline focus on the headline we gonna leave no it's like israeli hype music but in english (laughs) okay send me the link full trunk baby Okay, the next question from Tim. Most memorable win as a junior or adult you guys had? And I thought we had talked about this, but maybe we haven't. The first win that comes to mind for me was in high school. I think it was my sophomore year. We were playing against St. John's Prep, Lexington High for St. John's Prep. And my partner at the time, Preston Wu, and I were playing number one dubs. And the the team we were playing hadn't lost a set the entire year. So I remember talking the night the day before with our coach, and we were like, we, we kind of decided that we'd throw number one dubs and try to have number two dubs get the win. And I was at number one, which was kind of like, oh, we're just gonna throw it. And we pulled off a major upset and um in the making i got this sick photo do you remember that photo on facebook of me like really fired up yes i do when you were short i was very small and um it's a sick photo that that's probably one of my more memorable wins as a junior awesome what about you uh remember like back in israel i you know beat one of these guys that i trained with who later played um you know the guy was significantly better than me Mm-hmm. He just graduated from uh, USC, playing three there. Um, you know, he play he played Davis Cup, named more bullies. Okay. Um, and like I don't know how it happened, but like I had this like matchup with him where it could happen every once in a while. What age group are we talking right now? Maybe like twelve, fourteen, fourteen, fourteen. Yep, 14s. Um, that's what comes to mind off the top of the head. Okay, our next question coming in from Haley Zuckerberg, Camel Tennis out of New York City. She wants to know thoughts on Kyrgios court behavior. 
And look, we, we touched on this earlier. We're touching on it a lot, but again, the guy racked up thirty-two grand in fines in what four matches. After that first match, he was or during the first match, he was spitting on the court, yelling profanities at his box, the same shit. Like, why aren't you rooting for me? Why aren't you rooting for me? Like, you look like a spectator. It's it's pathetic. And clearly the fines aren't doing anything. I mean, it's a lot of fines. It's like almost what I make in a year. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I don't know what it's what. I mean, the guy needs a goddamn therapist. Or I, I don't know. I, I, I hate it. But like sitting there third row against Wolf and just kind of like heckling him a little bit was fun. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed that. I was gonna say suspension. Hasn't he? He's been suspended before. He's been suspended, and like it, it honestly was like detrimental to his tennis. I think when he's come back, he was less determined. He it took him a while to like I think get the motivation he has right now and actually have a box. He used to play without a box. Like there was no one there. There was like no coach. Like he didn't have a coach. Didn't have a physio. He didn't have a team. Wow. Monfils used to be like that too. There's like but, this video of like Monfils' coach like yelling at him, trying to be serious, and Monfils like hitting tweeners. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not a like, perfect comparison, but mentally he did he did turn a page, and it the oh, results sure. the results spoke in the court for sure. All right, next question from Patrick Farrell in New York City. Um, for post U.S. Open, what was the best match of the tournament? Daniel, what do you got? I think it's it's a clear cut center versus Alcaraz winner here. I think it was one of the best matches of the entire year. But you know, we, we talked about it earlier. It was it was epic. It was five sets. It was late at night. It, it had all the makings of a of an all timer in Ash. So I'm going with that. Yeah, I mean that's an easy pick. I guess I'm not going to go with that because I didn't watch the whole match. Um, I had to work early the next morning, but I guess what I'm gonna yeah, go we with. We get is, it. You're a doctor. Uh, I guess what I have to go with is the Serena Tomjanovic match. I think just being in Arthur Ashe and like seeing the vibe, mm-hmm. and then also just like seeing Serena fight, like till the very very end, seeing Tomjanovic produce amazing tennis. I think that was my favorite match of the tournament. Mm-hmm. But was it the best match of the tournament? Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I can see that. I mean, it was a very, very special night that was, and I think obviously it had more. It it brought in more viewership. Yeah, I, and I think Arthur Ashe was like more fired up after that match. Like Arthur Ashe was, you know, pushing Tiafa so hard. That's true. We would probably agree that Tiafa Nadal is probably a close second place, or the Tiafa yeah. Alcaraz. You got to put one of those Tiafa matches in there. I agree. I agree. Um, okay. Next next question comes in from Eli Brick. He says, Hi, gents. Couldn't help but notice how fundamentally masculine the Carlos Alcaraz box was after he won. Pretty remarkable. It begs the question, is Carlos Alcaraz a virgin as of his victory? If so, is he still... No judgment one way or another, but the absence of a single woman in his crew was hard to miss. One love, Eli. You know, this is this is hilarious, but 
a few people have already noticed this. You know, he he crawls up into his box like everybody does after they win. And usually you've got the girlfriend, you've got the sister, you've got the grandma. Like there was none of that. I actually I want to give a shout a shout out to Hannah who was saying that she didn't even say it about his box. She was saying, doesn't he look like a virgin still? Um, you know, maybe maybe she said it a little nicer, but um I think that I think yes. I think yes. I think he strikes me as the kind of person that is like so like committed to his craft okay. of tennis that he's like distraction free. But I think it's gonna change. I mean, the guy is uh US Open champion. I, I get what you're saying, but I do like I can sense some social skills. Like his, his, in his very broken English, I can still not that broken, better than Nadal's. And he's 19. When Nadal first came to the scene, it was worse, right? But I, I still sense that, you know, he's he doesn't seem like the most suave guy. But I don't know. He's 19. Like, but his he, mind is older. <laughs> he's 19, but his mind is older. But it's it's a toss-up here. I can't really say either way. I'm gonna uh, go with I'm gonna go with no. You're gonna go with yes. I'm going to go with yes. And either way, it, it's going to change. He's going to be yeah. getting with a ton of college freshman girls. It's true. <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on to Sam Steady. Slam Steady. Slam Steady. Daniel, take it away. Um, he starts off with a very nice note about the pod. We appreciate the support there, Sam. Uh, he said, that being said, I have more questions. One. Is Nick Kyrgios the happy Gilmore of tennis? Happy was electric because he didn't adhere to the dated tradition and class of the sport. He played his game the best way he knew how, with the fire of the crowd behind his unconventional shots. It was not his MO to pay pay homage to those who came before him, nor the story tradition of the game. Or is Kyrgios just a dick? And what's crazy here is that Dean does not know what happy gilmore is one of the most classic comedies of all time it's true i'm not from this country though so i get a pass no you don't put this on the list on friday night i'm going to text hannah i'm going to say put it on the tv and you're going to laugh your balls off just tap it in just tap it in give it a little tappy tap 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 a okay sounds good so i mean just the the quick story about it is um, Happy Gilmore is about Adam Sandler. He's a hockey player and um, he starts playing golf and he like his, his technique is terrible, but, and he's, you know, golf is very posh and fancy and he's just kind of a, a hockey player. He's a hockey player. He's a hockey player. So I think it's a good question. It's an interesting comparison. I don't think it's, you could go either way with it. I think Kyrgios is just a dick. And he, he, but he also is, you know, trying to like do tennis his own way. It's true. I I think it's a fair comparison without watching the movie. Like it seems like that's what he is. He's also a dick. Yeah. We can, we can, Talk about this all night. Let's watch. Let's watch the movie together. Actually, I just decided. Okay, on Zoom. <laughs> on Zoom, yes. I like the plan. All right, next from Sam. 
Can you imagine any non-tennis brands that would make fresh kits? In particular, anything um, you think would be sneaky fire? For example, Keith would Kith. likely make Kith would likely make a cool kit, but I think that's obvious and boring. Uh, LL Bean, Oshkosh, Bigosh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, yes, you do. It's like the baby, the baby clothing store. Oh, okay. I'm not there yet. Well, Kith actually just collabed with um with Roger. Roger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I think so. I for several years thought that Lululemon would be a great tennis brand to break on the scene, and they finally did last year, and they're sponsoring Jack Sock and Layla Fernandez. Now, I don't think their stuff is particularly fire, but they're just getting onto it. Yeah, I think like on that note, you know, something like Athleta can be very good uh, yeah. for the same for the same reasons. I wonder if like shoe brands like Brooks could make tennis sneakers. Interesting. Um, that being said, I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like it's a tough market to break onto. It is because it doesn't get that much visibility. You know, yeah. people aren't begging like. What makes the difference is turning the TV on and seeing so-and-so player wearing the brand yeah. and making it look cool. So it's it's tough. I but... can see other like fancy brands. Like, you know, you see Boss now sponsoring Luigi. Oh, um, Hugo Boss, right. Yeah, I can see stuff like, you know, Versace, um, Armani. Or oh, Armani's already sponsoring um, Fonini, for example. Armani's definitely in the scene. Uh, but I feel like it's stuff like Versace. Versace or... and Versace just did a collab with Adidas. So like they're kind of tinkering around. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to wear some Versace on the court. Yeah, of course. All right, last one of the night. Uh, coming from Will Metz in Philadelphia. Um, so Will is saying there are six hardcore masters 1000s. There are three for clay. Uh, and then there's obviously... Two hardcore slams, one grass, and one clay. Should it be more balanced? Is this hurting some players more than others or benefiting others? And why, in general, why is there such a big you know, difference in how many tournaments are on each surface? So I have been thinking about that, and I'm like, I think that the amount of tournaments that happen on hard courts have contributed to the rising number of injuries recently. Hmm. I think that... The, the players are playing now with a physicality that was not present. You know, when like players like Agassi and Sampras were even playing. Um, so, and, you know, you see, you see people sliding on hard courts like it's clay. I think mm -hmm. that is definitely contributing to the injuries. I think by the end of the season, you see a lot of players who are not able to compete at the same level, taking time off. I think if maybe there are more clay court tournaments, that would be good. Grass, it's just so hard to maintain. The weather has to be perfect. I don't think the grass court season should be longer. Right. I personally would, wouldn't mind if there are more clay court tournaments, but I don't know. I think it's all about the Benjamins. It's always about the Benjamins. I mean, can you see one of these grand slam, like the two grand slams on hard courts? Like, can you fathom that they change surfaces to clay? I don't know what would have to t happen for that to have to. I don't know. I don't see it ever changing. Not anytime soon. I mean, at least in the next ten years, until maybe, you know, like in the NFL, they're they're doing testing with concussions and stuff like that. I, 
maybe they do more a deeper dive into injury stuff. But it's a good question. And it's tough on the knees. It's very tough on the knees. You're always injured. I'm getting better about that, though. Shout out to my physical therapist. Nice. And the uh, Theragun. And a Theragun, exactly. All right, guys. That's it for today. Again, 10 episodes. I'm proud of us. Good for us. Let's do another 10. Yeah, please subscribe. (laughs) Please subscribe. Follow us on IG. Follow us on Twitter. I didn't know you were checking the Twitter. I like that. I'm all over it, baby. Um, We'll talk to you guys on the next one. Peace. Bye.